Hello, this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi. Welcome to episode 53 of the Deep South Dharma podcast. The talk today is called Clear Seeing. It is an episode about wise view, beginning our series on the Eightfold Path. As I mentioned briefly last week, I want us to have this recognition that there is a path that we can cultivate that allows us to have some staying power, um, a deep and sustained practice for helping ourselves and others go through these great times of transformation. Uh, Many people that I speak to, um, some who have been very aware for a long time of the effects of racism, others who are having a deeper awareness than they've ever had, uh, maybe, um, have been asking themselves, asking me, what can I do to help? What should I do to help? How much is enough? All of that. And what I just really want to encourage is taking action, but also taking action in a context of a practice that allows you to be of service in a deep and sustained way. Um, And so I do find that the Eightfold Path offers that. In this talk, I'll make reference to two of my favorite books on the Eightfold Path, one called The Noble Eightfold Path by Bhikkhu Bodhi, one called Turning the Wheel of Truth by Ajahn Sachito. Um, I want to mention to you that I am attending a retreat online that I strongly recommend Some of you may have already heard this earlier, but I will just mention again, Bhikkhu Bodhi is offering a retreat online via Zoom uh, through Heartwood Refuge and Retreat Center. That retreat center also allows people to utilize scholarship money if attending the retreat might be too much for you financially. I would encourage you to go to heartwoodrefuge.org, go to the retreat page, find Bhikkhu Bodhi's retreat. Um, This retreat happens July 16th through 19th. So um, online and take a look there, fill out a scholarship application, but get yourself registered. Um, It is a, a really special opportunity to get to practice with a teacher who has so, so much to offer you. All right, that's the only uh, plug, so to speak, that I'll make right now. We'll shift gears and get into our talk. To set the stage for discussing wise view, um, we want to take a look at sort of an overview of the point of this path, the, of the whole path. And I, I love um, Bhikkhu Bodhi's work on the Eightfold Path, and I love um, Ajahn Sachito's uh, 
work on the Eightfold Path called Turning the Wheel of Truth. So you'll hear both of these quoted a little bit. Bhikkhu Bodhi says that um, a true path, so true in the sense of, you know, we were speaking a few weeks ago of truing a wheel, right? Of having a path that leads where we need to go. A true path to the end of suffering has to include three things. An accurate description of where we are, um, of what he calls the full range of suffering, an accurate understanding or analysis of the causes of suffering, and a means to eradicate those causes. Right? So those three things are definitely part of, of right view, but it's also um, sort of a preview to the whole path. So here's our situation. Um, and this, this statement is from Bhikkhu Bodhi. Even death, the Buddha teaches, does not bring us to the end of dukkha does not bring us to the end of that just sort of constant dissatisfaction that runs through our experience in samsara. So it does not bring us to the end of dukkha, for the life process does not stop with death. When life ends in one place with one body, the mental continuum, the individual stream of consciousness springs up again elsewhere with a new body as its physical support. So um, even if um, even if this concept is unfamiliar or uncomfortable for you in terms of thinking of lifetimes, it's really important to know that rebirth, um, that that dance between form and emptiness is happening continually, moment by moment by moment by moment. Rebirth is happening, and in every moment that we make a choice make a decision, we're setting up conditions for what the next moment will, will be like and what this stream of consciousness will be like in the next moment. So that's our situation, is we can't even escape it through death. Um, and it's like being lost in a forest, circling around when we think we're getting out. We keep latching onto things that we think will um, free us from suffering and we keep ending up going, oh, I think I already, already saw that log or I already, I, I saw, we already walked around this tree. Um, in the Buddhist understanding, causes are typically described in three categories of greed, hatred, and delusion. But Bhikkhu Bodhi takes, uh, and, and Ajahn Satiro in both of these works, really takes some time to explain that the taproot of these three broad categories um, is, is ignorance. And um, this Bhikkhu Bodhi's description of ignorance is very important. At the basic root of dukkha, ignorance is a fundamental darkness shrouding the mind. Sometimes this ignorance operates in a passive manner, merely obscuring correct understanding. At other times, it takes on an active role it becomes the great deceiver, conjuring up a mass of distorted perceptions and conceptions which the mind grasps as attributes of the world, unaware that they are its own deluded constructs. So a mass of distorted perceptions and conceptions which the mind grasps as attributes of the world, unaware that they are, these attributes are actually its own deluded constructs. So we can see that so-called knowledge is not enough. Um, part of the point that Bhikkhu Bodhi is making is that, is that ignorance, that 
that fundamental darkness actually can take knowledge and twist it to diluted uh, purposes. In a mind clouded with ignorance, knowledge just becomes more ammunition, twisted to fit its view. Um, so what we need is wisdom. It's not more knowledge, it's wisdom. And Bhikkhu Bodhi says, wisdom can be cultivated. It comes into being through a set of conditions, conditions which we have the power to develop. So as we take rebirth moment after moment after moment after moment, the conditions that we, uh, we are creating conditions for ourselves based on our mental, verbal, and bodily actions. Wisdom is what is cultivated by the practice and study of the Eightfold Path. And, you know, I was noticing when I was jotting these notes down, I often, in, uh, in descriptions of classes or, you know, descriptions of topic, I talk about, I say practice and study a lot. Um, and that is because uh, practice without study can just become sort of routines that we do. Um, they can become uh, things that we just become dependent on as habits, but not necessarily freeing. And uh, study without practice may sort of give us the sense that we're gathering knowledge, but it only adds to our store of knowledge and not necessarily to our wisdom. So we have to have both. We, ha we, we study so that we understand something of of. Uh, to to uh, study of um, clearly discussed or clearly written dharma gives us a mirror for our experience. It it has the feeling of oh yeah that is that's those are the words for what I'm experiencing. But if we're not having an experience, if we're not practicing so that we have an experience, those words don't really um, cultivate wisdom for us. They don't really nurture us and nourish us. So this first path factor, right view, becomes deeper and clearer as we continue on the path of practice and study. But in the beginning, so right view is, is continues to deepen, but in the beginning, we can still have a glimpse of our situation, even if we're just at the very beginning. Um, usually, there's some degree of specific suffering um, that causes us to begin looking for solutions. And uh, we're actually fortunate when we don't find a quick fix because it keeps us, us looking deeper. Um, Ajahn Sachito says that as long as there is the condition of ignorance, the mind still expects to find an experience that is completely satisfying and feels disappointed when things, quote, go wrong. He has quotation marks around the words go wrong, right? That um, which really, for me, highlights this idea that, oh, if I was expecting some situation to be permanent, if I was expecting some situation to free me from suffering, and that doesn't happen, it's not that something has gone wrong. That those situation, that whatever I had dreamed up in my mind as being the solution, actually was not the solution. That's all that's happened. So we're fortunate when we don't find a quick fix because then when we can't just get a Band-Aid for our symptom of suffering, that leads us eventually to cause and effect. And that's what wise view is all about. 
is looking at karma, looking at actions and their results. Ajahn Sachito teaches cause and effect is at the heart of the practice. And further, he says that right view shows us we can purposefully live in relationship to the world, but not tangled up in the world. Right view allows us to begin our path and study of cause and effect with an attitude of being willing to let go of anything that's not taking us in the direction of wisdom. Willing to let go of anything that distracts us from seeing the results of our actions. And it can be challenging to keep taking wise action when it goes out of style, when media attention moves on to other subjects. But the teaching on wise view can be a great help to us here because it reminds us there's no escape from the consequences of our actions. So just because other, you know, the attention of the mainstream may have shifted uh, away from something that is beneficial, that does, you know, our mindfulness, our path, our wise view can help us stay in touch with what's beneficial and not get distracted. If we want real relief, we're going to have to move in the direction of generosity, non-harming, and wisdom. Um, I remember in working at a treatment center and watching, um, I was sitting in on equine demonstration. So an equine therapist was doing a demonstration and I was just there partly to support the clients and processing the experience, partly to document the experience. Because usually the cowboys don't want to fool with, you know, documentation. (laughs) So, um, but... In this demonstration, it was really striking because in this demonstration, he was showing um, how part of the uh, part of training um, the horse was not letting up on the pressure when the horse was doing what he did not want the horse to do. And the pressure didn't come in terms of like cruelty or anything like that. It was just him, him making the horse walk where it didn't want to walk or, you know, um, waving something in front of its face that it didn't like. Um, And until the horse, after a while, is trained to recognize, oh, if I really want relief, I've got to quit trying to do these things that I think I want to do and go in the direction that I'm being asked to go in. Um, And I I really found that powerful. Um, Wise View shows us that moving forward with the eightfold path, with the path that is focused on generosity, on non-harming of ourselves and others, of the cultivation of wisdom, um, that is the the only way, really, to to get relief. And um, so, that in that sense, we can part of developing wise view is to develop instead of having an aversion to our own discomfort to using it to recognize okay is this discomfort a discomfort that's guiding me to to adjust my course Um, it doesn't mean that something's quote wrong it may mean that I need to adjust my course um, and move more in a direction of generosity or non-harming or wisdom so Considering that, I want to ask you to um, just reflect, and if you would like to share uh, 
your own experiences or reflections that this brings up for you. I would love to hear them. Let's just give ourselves a minute to let that settle. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Deep South Dharma Podcast. We hope you'll feel welcome to share this with anyone you think would find it useful. And as always, feel free to message us your feedback, questions, or topics of interest. Until we meet again, take good care of this body, mind, and heart.